You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. It's time to start another week. We do that with a Roundup Monday, where we'll break down all the action we saw, the good, the bad, the disappointing, the surprising, pleasant, and otherwise there. And uh, we know it was a terrible bye week, a lot of injuries everyone was dealing with in making their season log fantasy lineups. And... A lot of stuff that surprised us for sure and uh, things that uh, were just shocking out there that uh, did not happen, guys that did not come through, and then a few more injuries as well to add to the attrition here for this uh, rough 2021 fantasy football season. Hang in there. If you're still alive in your leagues, that's what's important now, and we're going to help try to get you better here by uh, trying to figure out what all happened here and make sense of it here going into week eight. Thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff to get into here for you. And uh, let's uh, dive right into it. And let's start with this Bengals-Ravens game. This is a game I watched pretty closely here because it was the best game in the 1 p.m. Eastern Time window on Sunday. And we thought it was going to be more fruitful for the Ravens. It was very fruitful for the Bengals here. Joe Burrow, 400 plus passing yards there in this matchup, and they just kept on throwing. They knew they didn't have a lot of success in the past against the Ravens and trying to run the ball. They still got success there in different ways. Uh, when the game was out of reach there, Joe Mixon scored a rushing touchdown, as well as Samadji Piran. They both got even workloads here, and part of it was the game script where the Bengals were in complete control. They pulled away big time in the second half. The Ravens had a brief lead after halftime, but it was all Ravens defense had given up points there after that. And you look at the Bengals here, and it, they just let Joe Burrow loose. And we thought Jamar Chase might have his toughest matchup of the season. He threw it back in the Ravens' face. Marlon Humphrey, yeah, he's a good corner, but they moved Jamar Chase around. They schemed him open, they got him downfield, Joe Burrow found him, and then that incredible play there where Jamar Chase, maybe the play of the year, where it looked like three guys had a chance to bring him down, he turns around, does a spinorama, stays on his feet, and then outruns everyone to the house there, so 200 yard receiving day, so half the action comes from Chase for Burrow, we know that connection is amazing. We know that's going to limit the production of Tyler Boyd. He's just not getting it done in the slot. Another thing that's hurting him is CJ Uzama. He looked excellent here. Two touchdowns. So Uzama's kind of replacing Boyd as the guy in the middle of the field. They're using some of these tight end wrinkles here to uh, scheme things open. And that's what we saw in that game is they needed to get the middle of the field going. But they did with Uzama who can create some matchup problems with his size and athleticism. The problem with him is he's a bit boomer bust the way they use him in certain games. They isolate him in a matchup. It seemed to work in this game with his uh, big playability there for Joe Burrow. So very interesting there, but they're kind of pivoting away from using Boyd in the slot. When they use Chase in the slot, they throw to tight end. That's usually not a good development here. T. Higgins, solid game, but you're not going to expect anything spectacular 
Because Burrow really locked into Chase heavily here. It's kind of uh, Sam Darnold to DJ Moore, but a lot more productive and a lot more reliable here from week to week here with the big play. So great game by Joe Burrow and that offense for sure. And he made sure the running backs got some love as well because of how much uh, they were able to put on the board through the passing game. Now let's uh, flip over to the Ravens side of things. Nice second game here for Rashad Bateman, the rookie. He uh, really was a good compliment to Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown started slowly, but had that amazing long touchdown there from Lamar Jackson. Uh, just got his fingertips on it and got his toe inbounds there to make sure it was a touchdown. So another big game for Hollywood, playing off Lamar Jackson. The back of choice was Devonta Freeman for much of the game. He did get a touchdown here as uh, Latavius Murray didn't play with the ankle injury. Le'Veon Bell did get a few looks there, but it was pretty much Freeman in key situations there. So he's the back that you can start the most here as an RB2 or flex from the Ravens. Lamar Jackson ran really well. He threw pretty well as well, but he did only have the one touchdown to Brown. Mark Andrews a bit disappointing. I think a little bit Bateman cut into it. We were a little bit concerned about that with Andrews going in the season, and Bateman was on the shelf for a while, and you knew Andrews was going to be a co-number one there with Brown, but Bateman being effective with no Sammy Watkins, we had a big play, and then followed by another one there for Mark Andrews early for the Ravens, but they kind of went away from him, they missed a few connections with him, so yeah, just one of those games that you expected a lot more from Andrews, but Brown consistently looks like the number one here, Bateman looks like a factor, and Biggest thing is the Ravens' defense. Maybe a bit of a mirage last week against the Chargers. They really struggled in this game. That made Lamar throw more often. That's what's going to keep happening, especially with the backfield injuries and now some extra offensive line injuries here for the Ravens. So Lamar is still going to throw it. Joe Barr is going to throw it a lot. But, again, uh, Bengals get the Jets next week. Yeah, that's a really sweet spot here. here. And the Ravens, again, Defensively, I think they were kind of uh, held together by duct tape and all came apart here. That's going to be good things for their passing game with Lamar to add a lot of value to him. And eventually, uh, Bateman and Brown are going to be pretty reliable. Brown is a wide receiver one at this point. Bateman has a wide receiver three appeal. And Andrews, let's hope it doesn't cut into his value too much here in Baltimore. All right, let's uh, flip over to the other team in the Beltway. They played in Green Bay, the Washington football team, and let's start with them. The Packers win this game. It was a little bit of a tough go early, but the Packers eventually pulled away and got a comfortable victory. But let's look at Washington here. Again, Antonio Gibson wasn't fully healthy. He had the shin injury. He was limited in practice. Again, he just doesn't look completely right. We thought it would be a J.D. McKissick game, but he really was quiet here. The game was too close where they didn't force feed McKissick. The good news was Terry McLaurin took care of the matchup there with no Jair Alexander or Kevin King at corner for the Packers. So he came through as expected. Tyler, Taylor Heineke targeted him well, but what we didn't like about Heineke was that he led the Washington football team in rushing with 95 yards. He did distribute well to the main guys that you would think. That was uh, McLaurin and Ricky Seals-Jones was the second leading receiver, but not enough work for McKissick. The game didn't get so far out of hand, and they kept giving the ball to Gibson, even though he's at 100%. So Washington's got to think about some things here. Do they want to keep trotting out Gibson at this uh, situation, or do they want to look at Jared Patterson more, the rookie, knowing that he's a little bit more versatile than McKissick, you can put him in on an early down. So some things to watch there. But McLaurin is really the number one trusted fantasy asset here for sure by far 
and then you look at Ricky Seals Jones having some value as long as uh, Logan Thomas is out there with the hamstring and on IR. Now let's look at the Packers here. The wide receivers, can you trust now Alan Lazard as the number two wide receiver behind Devontae Adams? It's still extremely hard to me, but the good sign for Lazard is no Marcus Valdez-Scandling with, with his hamstring injury. You've got really not a big factor from Randall Cobb, so you need someone there to complement Adams, and they've liked Lazard, and we know Aaron Rodgers trusts loves Lazard. So it really comes down to the passing game matchup being right here. Really, Washington did a good job to stay in the game as much as it could by taking away Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in the running game. That was the biggest disappointment here for this one, but Aaron Rodgers had to throw a little bit more, so that's something that you have to see develop. Uh, they want to stick with a run that's going to create less opportunities in the passing game, but this was a volume game where they were leading for a lot of the game, so that's why you saw Lazard come through. I think he looked pretty good. I think he got enough volume here where we can trust him a little bit more. We haven't seen that consistent number two. What happened is when Adams and Lazard were doing well, it opened things up for Robert Tunyon as well, who scored a touchdown again in this one. So, again, interesting game for the Packers, but we want to see when they put the ball up a little bit more, what happens, and that definitely Lazard has some value in deeper leagues as a wide receiver three with that type of production here, and maybe more opportunities will arise from two straight to hot weeks here for Lazard and Devontae Adams <coughs> comes through every week. What else is new here for the Packers, number one? All right, the next uh, game we'll talk about, the Falcons-Dolphins game. This one is rather wild. and Falcons came out of a bye, and they look seriously put together here. We were wondering what was going on early with Matt Ryan. Well, I think, remember, it takes him a little bit while to really get settled on offense, but he's in Arthur Smith's offense now. They finally learned how to use Kyle Pitts. Two monster games in a row. He's very good against the Jets before the bye, then he just exploded here to lead the team in receiving. That wasn't very good for Calvin Ridley. Ridley did find the end zone, which was great to see. But Russell Gage returned, so that opened things up as well. Gage found the end zone in this one. So Pitts, the one thing he didn't do was score, but everything else was there. Cordero Patterson really distanced himself again from Mike Davis in the backfield. Davis a little bit banged up, but really now you have this offense where we want it in fantasy football. Ridley's still going to be the key target, but he's going to get some attention. That's going to open things up for Gage as a deeper league uh, wide receiver three or flex. If you need him now, that he's back healthy. So they definitely want to use Gage quite a bit here as their number two receiver. Pitts also gets helped by having both those guys, and we know Ridley missed the game there before. So Ridley could be a bit of decoy, but he still scored here. But as much as Pitts and Gage produce here, that's going to help open things up for Ridley as well. But it's clearly the Cordell Patterson situation here for the Falcons in the backfield going forward. And they have their principles now, I think, between Ridley and Pitts, a little bit of Gage and Patterson. That's where they're going to get it done here with Matt Ryan for most weeks for the Falcons' offense. It's a good job by Arthur Smith to adjust and go with his best personnel there. The Dolphins have done that as well, and uh, they were forced to do that a little bit with Miles Gaskin this week, where Gaskin uh, had... Uh, that opportunity because Malcolm Brown went down early with a quad injury in this game. They were going to use Malcolm Brown. I thought it could be a Malcolm Brown type power game, but then the game got out of hand, so Gaskin gets involved. He had to get the touches with Brown out, and also the game script. The Dolphins fell behind, so they were in catch-up mode, and Gaskin produced there, but this is the kind of offense I think the Dolphins are best running here. Tua Tagovailoa throwing a lot to Mike Gusecki at tight end, throwing all those underneath balls to Jalen Waddle, and Gaskin. So we're getting a read on both of these offenses, the Falcons and the Dolphins, a little bit. It takes time sometimes, but we know Gusecki's locked in as a top target here. 
Waddles their top wide receiver. Gaskin is going to take advantage should Brown be out here with a quad injury. So a little bit easier when you streamline, get it through a few players and have a plan and kind of understand what they're trying to do. And both of these teams uh, gave us that here. Atlanta and Miami minus uh, Mike Davis in this game uh, kind of came through the way everything was expected. So Tua is going to have a lot of value. This is two straight big games in a row for him coming off the ribs injury there. So, yeah, I think he's starting to feel this offense. Unfortunately, the defense is bad, which doesn't help this Dolphins team be good overall. But the defense being bad also makes the offense do a little bit more in terms of throwing the ball with Tua. That's what you're seeing with the fantasy production of him and his key receivers here in 2021. All right, so we broke down three games there from Sunday's action. We still have eight more to get to. We'll get those in our final two segments. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch a game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, uh, let's uh, continue here looking at the takeaways from the Week 7 Sunday Action in the NFL from a fantasy football perspective as we kick off another week of Locked on Fantasy Football with a roundup Monday. Thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, let us go in the 1 p.m. Eastern Time window still and look at the Jets-Patriots game here. It was all Patriots. Zach Wilson hurt early. Looks like a PCL injury to his knee, so he had to be replaced with Mike White. Corey Davis scores a touchdown right after that with Mike White. Uh, Michael Carter looks pretty good here. So Zach Wilson's going to miss some time. It's pretty rough. White has to take over. We'll see if they sign another quarterback. But they put in White and they plugged him in. They knew the situation, but they didn't have a veteran option behind Zach Wilson. So we'll see if he continues here. But, yeah, he distributed not bad, but, again, the game was out of hand. The good news here for Jets here is Michael Carter looked really good. Again, he's the rookie that maybe one is unheralded going to see a lot of hype around Wilson in reality. But we in fantasy were looking at Carter. He's going to put together some big games. He's the guy that they trust in the backfield most with the key touches there as the runner and as a receiver. And he did pretty much everything you were asking for as an RB2 flex except score in this game. So, yeah, it's a Michael Carter show. Nothing else to see here with the Jets right now. With the Patriots, it was the Damian Harris show, a little bit of J.J. Taylor show. Part of it, Taylor's usage there was the fact that they were up massive here, scoring 54 points in the game. So he complimented Harris as they went run, run, run. The Jets simply could not stop anything on the ground for the Patriots. So Damian Harris looks good. Notable here that Ramondre Stevenson was inactive for the Patriots. That was a bit of a surprise. So then Taylor is in there. Brandon Bolden scores a receiving touchdown. He was actually the leading receiver for the Patriots, but they want to run the ball. They want to play defense. This is their ideal game script. It's not going to work in a lot of games because they don't play the Jets in a lot of games. So when looking at this, and they're done with the Jets, by the way. They played them, remember, in week two. So this is finished. But, yeah, Damian Harris locked and loaded. He's going to RB1 status with the way things are going here with this running game. 
And then uh, at uh, receiver, I mean, we did have the little trick touchdown from Kendrick Bourne to Nelson Aguilar there early in the game. Aguilar had an okay game. Bourne was okay. Jacoby Myers is okay. But really the only trusted receiver that you can have on this team is Hunter Henry at tight end. He scores again, only two catches for 23 yards. But he gets a touchdown. That's big enough to start as a uh, tight end one in fantasy football. So three state games he's been good and scoring here. And Jody Smith also got hurt in this game. So that should give Hunter Henry the sole possession of the key targets maybe going forward. I think he was already at that point with Jonu kind of being more of a blocker type for the Patriots, but yeah, that's the development here. For the Patriots, what we see is what we get. Really hard to trust their receivers, but really easy to trust Henry and Harris going forward. Staying in the East Coast and staying with the New York team, the Panthers traveled to the Giants here. It was a disaster area for the Panthers. Sam Darnold just dragged this entire offense down. He was sloppy. He was inaccurate. DJ Moore eked out a decent day, but it was still nowhere near what you expect. Uh, the Robbie Anderson connection has really dropped off. So much for carrying it over to the Jets. So much for rekindling that here back at MetLife Stadium here for Sam Darnold. But I think it was the end of Sam Darnold here as the Panthers starting quarterback. What's happened? Uh, PJ Walker came in in mop-up duty. Darnold was benched. And what happens right after the game? Just like the wins of the Meadowlands, the Deshaun Watson rumors started swirling immediately there for the Panthers. So it's pretty ugly. No Christian McCaffrey has made this offense rather predictable with a lot of DJ Moore. And when Darnold's not playing well, nothing else is going to look very good here. Chuba Harbord was dragged down with Darnold as well. So we'll see if this Watson stuff comes to fruition here for the Panthers. At very worst, I think they might go to PJ Walker here to provide a little bit of spark there at quarterback. So We'll see what happens to the Panthers, but yeah, ugly, ugly situation there overall. Their 25-3 route. Now the Giants manufactured some offense. Uh, pretty, pretty much all their receivers were down except for Darius Slayton, so something to watch for. If Kenny Galladay and uh, Kadarius Toney and Sterling Shepard all stay on the shelf here. Shepard is a su- su- surprise scratch, I should say. They say that uh, 10 times, right? Sterling Shepard surprise scratch because of the injury there that uh, popped up, so... Giants conditioning has been really bad at wide receiver, so they had to really rely on Slayton. Modest game for him as maybe a backdoor wide receiver to reflex and PPR, but that's about it. Devontae Booker scores a touchdown. We didn't expect the control of game script here for the Giants, but that's what happened. Uh, Evan Ingram doing a little bit of damage, but yeah. This is just a shell of the offense. You're pretty much touchdown dependent with anyone at this point. Booker got the score. If you play the Giants defense, you're happy, but more an indication now, as long as they're starting Darnold or even P.J. Walker, that you can start defenses <coughs> against the Panthers, and you can't really start their defense when their offense is not helping them either here in fantasy football. Next game was the shocking result of the day. The Chiefs managed only a field goal. They were routed, never really had a chance. They were blown out to wire to wire. 27-3, the Titans win this game. Let's look at the Chiefs. So what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes? He's impatient. He was injured late in the game. Not a lot of guys are getting open. Tyreek Hill was dealing with the quad injury here. Not 100%. And uh, didn't have other guys step up. They abandoned the run way too early in this game. They only gave uh, six opportunities to Daryl Williams. I think they need to balance out this offense. They panic a little bit. When they get down a little bit, they go away from the run. And they kind of scramble. And everyone knows where they're going to go in the passing game. So the Titans did a good job of mixing things up a little bit in coverage. Uh, they were able to contain both Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Hill being slowed probably helped there. 
Kelsey had a solid game, but nothing spectacular. Hill, highly disappointing here, playing through an injury, especially against his secondary. So, a lot of stuff fundamentally wrong with the Chiefs. Uh, you got to figure things out. Uh, the pass protection hasn't been that great. Mahomes has got to play a lot better. He's forcing the ball into coverage when things are not there. He's impatient overall in uh, taking what the defense gives him. And he probably got even more eager to uh, make amends here once the Titans went up big. So, it's kind of a snowball. You thought there would be some garbage effort for the Chiefs, but <coughs> I feel like just like the Super Bowl, it's the Buccaneers. When they get behind, they're actually not the best team here because it's a bit predictable. You can play them in a certain way, and that, that really contains their big playability and all that. So something to keep in mind, they're not the best back-running team, the Chiefs. They're a good front-running team. They like to pour it on or back-and-forth team, but when they're behind, not as good as you would expect here. And uh, We just didn't expect them to be so far behind the Titans favored on the road here in Nashville and they just got throttled there by the Titans who now back-to-back big wins at home against the Bills and the Chiefs. Now, <coughs> with the Titans, the one thing we have to look at is it is pretty much the A.J. Brown show in the passing game. He's back. He looks at full strength here. He had the hamstring early. He had the illness. But two straight monster games there playing with Ryan Tannehill. He's fully back to being the alpha here. Julio Jones is not threatening that one bit. Julio was able to play with the hamstring, but not much there. They're not really throwing the tight end. So it's pretty much run a lot of Derrick Henry, throw when you did with Derrick Henry, and then have A.J. Brown do his thing at wide receiver playing off play action with Ryan Tannehill stretching the field. So pretty simple with the Titans offense. You're starting Henry and Brown, and uh, sometimes Tannehill. And Tannehill's hard to start when he's not guaranteed for multiple touchdowns every week, but it's a Brown and Henry show once again here for the Titans. <coughs> All right, so let's look at the Detroit Lions here. Excuse me there. The Lions have uh, DeAndre Swift, and he's the show, and he got on them on the board. They were very competitive against the Rams there in the Jared Goff revenge game against the Matthew Stafford revenge game. Stafford got the last laugh here, but Goff's team started out okay. Swift, not going to go away. He's consistent every week. He's the one weapon that they can scheme open, give him the ball to here. Jamal Williams did lead the team in carries, but Swift, highly the more effective back. He seems like he gets key catches and a score in every game here in garbage time for the Lions. So he's turned out to be amazing here. Just one of those other talented Georgia backs that's coming through with the, the usage he has, even on a bad team. Now, Khalif Raymond was the best wide receiver du jour for the Lions, but Quintus Cephas is on the shelf. Tyrell Williams is on the shelf. Amon Ross St. Brown's a rookie. So Raymond might de- default, but I have some value. We want somebody here to take the pressure off T.J. Hawkinson so Hawkinson can get it open more. Another mild game from Hawkinson. We want him to step up a little bit more, but clearly they're not focusing as much on the tight end as they should. And, again, teams are scheming for Hawkinson more. So they need someone to merge. I don't know if Raymond is going to be that consistent value there, but interesting there the Lions were able to stay in the game. Uh, It kind of went wild. They had the swift touchdown. They had the onside kick, they had fake punts, they were really throwing out all the stops to stop the Rams the way that the Rams might do with Sean McVay. There was all their trickery, it didn't work, the Lions did cover, but nothing else to show for it there in Los Angeles. And uh, with Cooper Cup, it was uh, the Cooper Cup show here on the other side. Uh, We had Van Jefferson score another touchdown, so Robert Woods was quiet again, but Cup's matchup was just too good in the slot against the Lions really all over the field. So they just went cup, cup, cup. Stafford, easy day for him to score a lot of points. The volume was much bigger in the passing game because the 
Rams had to keep up and they were behind in this game. So we'll see how things develop there. But very interesting with this game uh, here that uh, the Rams weren't able to hold a big lead. It really hurt the value of Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle who didn't get enough work in this game. So Rams went past happy. Lions were able to run a little bit. Just exactly the opposite of what we expected in this game. All right, we still have four more games to talk about here on Roundup Monday to break things down for you, the takeaways you need to know. But i got to tell you about uh, Get Upside Fantasy Football Fans. This is Vinny Iyer with Incredible App. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about it. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon in your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back in your first rank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no cash. Cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash on any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back in your first rank. That's the code TOUCHDOWN there I get upside. I also have to tell you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky, waxy, or just plain hard to choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate. When you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'll swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high-protein, so all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. So many flavors. Another great thing about Built Bar, there's so many mouth-watering flavors. You coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut and almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, cherry barcia. This month, Built is coming out with new limited-time flavors every three to four days, so check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, we got uh, four more games to talk about. We'll run through those here on the show. And we'll go late afternoon window still. We have the Eagles and the Raiders. The Eagles' takeaway here is uh, Jalen Hurts up and down. They lose the game 33-22, unusual score there. Miles Sanders goes down early. You Kenneth Gainwell, the rookie, looking pretty good. He scored a touchdown here, so Miles Sanders on the shelf with an ankle injury. We'll see if he has to miss time here, but the pivot was quick to Gainwell. We also had Dallas Goddard return from his uh, COVID-19 stint there, and he took over as basically the top receiver. He had uh, three catches for 70 yards, two-point conversion in this one. No more Zach Ertz, so we know Hertz and Goddard have a good relationship. And it kind of hurt Devonta Smith, where Smith has had two very quiet games and pretty good matchups here. So, again, uh, they got to get Smith open a little bit more. But he's not as reliable, again, as a wide receiver three as we thought we were good to go here a couple weeks ago. But Goddard locked in now as a tight end one. No hurts to worry about. He's going to be relied upon even more. It's a high-volume passing game here. They don't really have other receivers stepping up consistently, including Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins. So Goddard is the man. And we'll see. Kenneth Gainwell might get a huge opportunity here. Sanders has had limited success. Gainwell they like. He's a bit of a Swiss Army knife cog, so good to be an opportunity for Gainwell to really show what the Eagles he's got, and I think that might help the new coaching staff who was looking at Gainwell a little bit more anyway. 
On the Raiders side of things, uh, Kenny Drake is here to stay as a weapon, folks. I mean, yeah, Josh Jacobs get hurt again with a chest injury, but they wanted to use him a hybrid and and get him all over the field. It was very quiet with John Gruden in there. But now with Greg Olson by himself running this offense, Kenny Drake is a big part of what they do. What's happened as well is they're distributing the ball well. They didn't have even Darren Waller in this game, so what do they do? This plug in Foster Moreau, his backup, and treated him like that. So Derek Carr played pretty well here at home there with uh, distributing the ball. Brian Edwards comes back in the mix. Quiet games, however, for Hunter Renfro and Henry Ruggs III bottled up by the zone defense of the Eagles. So what, what you're seeing here is more diversification. You're using more weapons. I don't know if that's necessarily good for fantasy. It's a little bit more confusing when it's just not the Renfro and Waller show with a little bit of Ruggs. Again, without Waller, they just went to Moreau, spread the ball around other guys, got Drake involved here. Uh, they got maybe Peyton Barber needing more work with now uh, Josh Jacobs hurting again. So really messy there for the Raiders. Not great for fantasy football purposes here, except if you're looking at Carr and using him in the deeper leagues as a QB1 or as a super flex here. So <coughs> very difficult week to week. Let's hope Darren Waller's okay, by the way, to play next week. All right, we also hope Tyrod Taylor's okay to play in the next game for the Texans. I mean, this offense has gone into a tank. They just couldn't do anything against the Cardinals on the road. Not a surprise there. It was an easy route. The Cardinals kind of had a walker over in this game. But you have Davis Mills, who's not doing it with anyone. You look at the numbers, David Johnson, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, none of that's happening in the running game. Nico Collins has flashed a little bit, the rookie from Michigan. But Brad Cooks has disappeared slowly. He's had one good game, I think, or maybe two with Davis Mills in there. But he needs Tyrod Taylor badly. So hopefully he'll make that pivot. Hopefully they'll move on from Deshaun Watson here with the trade deadline set for November 2nd. Or on the other side of things with the Cardinals, I mean, getting more confusing to trust the Cardinals. I know DeAndre Hopkins played pretty well. Revenge game, he scored a touchdown. But now it's Zach Ertz and A.J. Green. Remember earlier it was Christian Kirk, who did score a touchdown this game. Christian Kirk and Rondo Moore. So Ertz is, and Green are further confusing this. Green was a lot more involved last week. He stayed involved this week. Ertz uh, scored again here for the Cardinals. So he is the guy here that we're looking at here. It's amazing how quickly Ertz has been involved in the offense. I think they really wanted a tight end here for Cliff Kingsbury, and you're seeing that come to fruition here for the Cardinals and Kyler Murray and that offense here. Yet, yet another weapon, yet a little bit more confusing. Hard to trust anyone, however, than Hopkins, but Green is being used well enough to look at wide receiver three. And Ertz, based on the tight end landscape, if he's scoring every week and getting key targets, and he's away from Dallas Goddard, he's got to be looked at as a little bit of valuable asset as well at uh, the tight end here in this set of uh, bye weeks and all the concerns that are going to come up as well in a very shaky position beyond the first few options. Now for the Bears, it's a tale of two rookies. Khalil Herbert looked great again. I know he got some garbage rushing yards there late when the Bucks weren't really carrying and they were pl just playing against the pass, but 100-yard game for Khalil Herbert, so third straight really good game for the rookie from Virginia Tech out of the backfield. We'll see what if he can have a role here. Damon Williams, that value is done here. Just waiting for David Montgomery to return. But Justin Fields, we had a lot of confidence in Justin Fields. If you recall, we were talking this guy up pretty well this week. We liked the Tampa Bay matchup, but it just didn't materialize. They didn't stick with passing. They just kind of went in a tank. He struggled early with the turnovers, and that was it. you got to unleash the guy if you're going to play him. I don't get it. I thought they unleashed him a little bit last week. Well, let's hope for Andy Dalton pivot here. But let's just say Justin Fields is a loss this year. Again, everyone is taking this loss in fantasy football. We thought 
based on his talent and what we saw at Ohio State, what we saw early in the preseason, we were going to see that kind of Justin Fields in this offense from Matt Nagy. We saw it one week last week, but that's been pretty much it here for the Bears and the rookie quarterback. So let's hope for a pivot back to Andy Dalton because this is brutal. They can't let Fields take all his lumps, lose all his confidence, and also be useful as Lewis going forward here as a sophomore quarterback. For the Bucks, Evans and Godwin on the other side, and no, no Rob Gronkowski, no Antonio Brown, no surprise. It was all about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Didn't matter. They had Jalen Johnson on the other side. They moved around Evans and Godwin. Evans had the multiple touchdown game. Godwin has the big yardage game and score. So that's when we can trust these guys the most when those are two in that lineup. We thought Tyler Johnson and O.J. Howard, but there's no reason for Tom Brady to extend to those guys when the matchup is too easy. And finally. We'll go to Sunday Night Football, the Colts and the 49ers. The Colts uh, pretty much have streamlined their offense. T.Y. Hilton missed the game with a quad injury. Paris Campbell's back on the shelf. What they do, go to Michael Pittman. He had the 100-yard game. Go back to Mo Ali Cox, the preferred tight end over Jack Doyle. So he's the principal there. The, there. So the wide receiver tight end. Big targets there that he likes downfield, intermediate to deep routes there. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, three total touchdowns here. Only 150 yards passing, but he gets one on the ground, two through the air. One to Allie Cox, one to Pittman here late to close the game. They blow out the 49ers here. And Jonathan Taylor, what can you say, another 100-yard game. He stays hot, gets in the end zone as well. So good to see the Colts offense without Hilton. It's pretty much simple. Mo Allie Cox back in tight end one. Michael Pittman, a pretty strong wide receiver two. John Taylor, an RB1. Carson Wentz, a back-end solid streamer at quarterback. And the 49ers, this takeaway is easy. They only have one player that you're looking at now. His name is Debo Samuel. I mean... And Eli Mitchell, of course, out of the backfield. But Mitchell had the long, big run early and looked good early, but then he kind of faded out of the running game. But Debo Samuel is the only target you're looking at without George Kittle. They continue to not use Brandon Ayuk. Other guys are all inconsistent. Guys, no sign of Trey Sermon. It is the Eli Mitchell show in the backfield. So if you got Eli Mitchell in waivers of week two and you used him again here after he was fully healthy, Good for you, but it's over here for the Trey Sermon Show <coughs> in San Francisco. All right, so there is a look, a wrap-up of all your uh, takeaways from your Week 7 Sunday action there for fantasy football. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Fantasy Football. Good luck if you've got someone going in the St. Seahawks game tonight. Tomorrow we'll turn our attention to the waiver wire there for pickup. Tuesday, then a double dose of matchups as we always do, breaking down all the games of Week 8, matchup Wednesday, matchup Thursday, and close it with lineup Friday, DFS look, their DraftKings, FanDuel, as well as injury updates you need to know going into the weekend. Thanks for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Now make your second listen to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock, former NFL scout, Matt Williamson, give you the expert analysis in less than 30 minutes of free, available on all platforms. For Lockdown Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. Again, have a great day. See you tomorrow on Pickup Tuesday.